America, we've made a huge mistake. We let the potential for a whole cinematic universe slip through our greasy, disgusting coronavirus-infected fingers, and I won't stand for it. We're going to get justice for Dirk Pitt and Steve Zahn tonight, or may the specter of a recently deceased Clive Cussler haunt us for the rest of our miserable days. Welcome, everyone, to Rebooted! The podcast where we're recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. How did I do? You did great. Thank you. This week, we're digging up a buried franchise gem with 2005 Sahara starring Matthew McConaughey, Steve Zahn, Penelope Cruz, and William H. Macy. This movie is fucking good. I, <laughs> there are no words. How did how did nobody go see this movie? How did this movie fail? How did... Uh, well, it might have something to do with how they bribed a bunch of people in Morocco <laughs> to make it. Admiral? Have you ever seen a Confederate gold dollar? Oh, dear God, don't start this again. Of course not, because the Confederacy never made a gold dollar. The mint was destroyed near the end of the war. I beg you, on my hands and knees, don't. But not before Jefferson Davis had five samples made. He gave four of those samples to his top generals, Lee, Stonewall Jackson, Jeb Stuart Every time we come to Africa, out comes that stupid ship model, out come the old port journals. We are leaving for Australia tomorrow. Four of those samples have been found, but the fifth never was. That one was given to an old family friend of Davis, a brilliant young sea captain named Mason Toombs, captain of the CSS Ironclad, Texas. Where in the hell did you get this? Frederick O'Shotty. He got it from a man named Indigway, but the important thing is that Indigway found this in Labazanga, Mali. Hey, my dad collects coins. Oh. Within like three minutes of watching this movie, I, I was like, how, how have I never seen this movie? Why does no one talk about this movie? Well, here's the thing. Three minutes into the movie, we are still in the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. This movie Sorry, starts... Sorry, I completely forgot about the <laughs> prologue of this movie. Starts with the USS Texas? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle of the Civil War, and then it immediately smash cuts to the, the west coast of Africa. Here's, here's what I love about a movie like this. You, and I would even push it farther than this movie goes, you have to shoot for the actual moon. Absolutely make a movie about a Civil War era ironclad ship <laughs> that goes from America across the ocean. <laughs> Absolutely make that movie. Again, you say, why isn't this a national treasure? Like, why are we looking at this like, yes, all the pieces fit. Of it's course, right there. Of course there's a message on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Of course there is. All there. All the pieces are there. And somehow this movie vanished. Much like the USS Texas, it yeah. vanished from our collective culture about movies. And I'm very excited that we're going to talk. I can't about wait. It. Yeah, um, guys, welcome to Rebooted, a movie reboot podcast where I, Brian Flynn, and my co-host Kenneth Trent take a classic Hollywood film and talk about it as if it was going to be remade today in 2020. Um, I'm sort of just sort of spitting about all the things I want to talk about, but um, <laughs> we got to start with the news. We do have to start with the news. Actually, I, um, we usually talk about all the reboot news that's fit to print on uh, on the show and all. That's come out in all the trades. But this week I want to do something different because I wanted to uh, interject this section of our podcast with a little more joy. Usually the news comes out and we're like, why? Why are we rebooting Roger Rabbit? And why are we rebooting Mary Poppins? And why does, I don't know, X need a sequel and this need to be a TV show? Blah, 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 blah. 
I wanted to shine a spotlight on a couple of the reboots that have come out in recent weeks mm-hmm. that have done a stellar job. Uh huh. And I want to uh, I want I want to give them a couple gold stars. Yeah. First on the docket, Hulu's High Fidelity plays the hits. Uh, Hulu has come out with a new take on the uh, late '90s John Cusack rom-com of mm-hmm. the same name, which admittedly we've tried to do on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, a little behind the scenes, sometimes Ken and I will watch a movie fully yeah. intending to talk about mm-hmm. that movie, and then realize we don't a don't want to b just it seems like a problematic movie, which High Fidelity did. This episode was supposed to be a completely different movie. Oh yeah. Admittedly, I watched half of High Fidelity and then said, I can't watch any more of this movie and had to turn it off. So Hulu basically took the property. They recast the male lead as Zoe Kravitz, a mm-hmm. female in the role. Um, a couple gender swaps later, a very 90s nostalgic remix of the story of a man who loses you know, uh, his relationship and then catalogs all the top five Worst relationships he's had, or biggest heartbreaks, rather. Uh, did you watch this show? Yeah, it's incredible. I loved it. It's so good. But and it, here's the weird thing: it kind of stays pretty true to the original '90s movie. There's a lot of similarities. From fully knowing, I did not watch all of this movie. There was stuff where I was like, "Oh, that's exactly from." That's pulled exactly, and it's based on a book, so I'm yeah. sure some of that too is like pulled from the book to the first movie and then to the to this show. But it is, I think, it benefits tremendously from having a female lead, and I think it also benefits tremendously from that lead being Zoe Kravitz. She is impossibly cool. Number two on the top five all-time heartbreak list is Cat Monroe. Cat was gorgeous and interesting and just. Just cool. Like, real cool. Looking back, I didn't stand a fucking chance. Cat! You fucking bitch! Let's work it out! It's one of those things where, like, and maybe it's just a sign of different times, but, like, I guess I could see there was a point where you watch John Cusack and you're like, how could anyone hate this guy? And then you watch it in 2020 (laughs) and you're like, man, this guy made... I hate this this guy. This guy (laughs) cheated on his girlfriend after she had a miscarriage with his baby. Like... It's just like, man, that's a lot. That's a lot of hole to dig yourself out of in terms mm-hmm. of like character building. Um, but I think you're right. And I also think it's really interesting that the daughter of an actress who was in the original movie is now playing the lead of that movie. It's 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 sort of bizarre. It's something that like we would do on this podcast and people might roll their eyes and be like, well, that's just like easy. Like you're just sort of you're trying to like. I don't know, placate to the the original or it's it, like it's somehow it's like it's cheating in a way. Yeah. But Zoe Kravis works so fucking well in yeah. this. Uh, it's tremendous. Guys. Yeah. Great job. Gold yeah. star. Gold it, star Hulu. It really works. Uh, yeah. And it improves on the on the movie. I think I think they've done an incredible thing. OK. The Invisible Man. Did you see it? Yeah. I had the great fortune to go to the premiere of this movie, Ooh. and I saw so many horror heroes of mine there. I was standing two feet away from James Wan. Ooh. I just can't tell you. It was very exciting. <laughs> um, huge, huge, huge fan of Lee Wanell. 
We love to see him succeed. We love to see him succeed with an original concept with Elizabeth Moss killing the lead role. She's Forget so everything good. you thought you knew about the Invisible Man of past. This is new. This is fresh. This is bringing light to the the plight of women who are not believed. It is really, really incredible. Like there are scares in this movie where I'm just like, good job. Like they, there's really, really good stuff in this. James, James. Uh, yeah, what, what, what happened? What happened? What? I saw some things. It was right there. It was right there. There were footprints. I saw it. You, you saw, saw, saw footprints? Yes, I saw in the sheets. I saw it right there. I saw them. I saw it. There was someone in here. There was someone in here. James, I saw it. I swear. There are certain movies, that, and this happens very rarely, but there are certain movies where the crowd just like links together. Yeah. And there becomes like an energy in the theater where you're just like, everyone is exactly on board how they should be. The closest example of this I could think of is like, Avengers Endgame was like a rock concert. Everyone was there just to see like the explosions. Signs. Everyone is like arm in arm, like yeah. what is going on? It's yeah. so tense. This was very similar to Signs in that regard. I think the first... 30 minutes of this movie, the audience was just, someone would just nervous laugh, uh-huh. and the whole theater would just be like, oh, yeah, we're right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we're all just like sweating, like head sweat. People are like squeezing legs, yeah. just being like, oh my God. And as soon as the horror hits, it is so good. And the, oh my God, gold star, Invisible Man, gold star, Lee Winnell, 40 gold stars 40 to gold Elizabeth stars. Moss. Uh, and that entire cast, that was it was it was great all around. Um, Something that really solidified it for me, I think, is I was reading an article after I saw the movie about how test audiences recommended that they see Elizabeth Moss being abused. Did you read about this? Mm-mm. That when they tested the movie for people, the biggest suggestion they got was that they wanted to see what he did to her. And Lee Wanell, bless his little heart said no because he thought that the scariest thing that they could do was let our imaginations run wild with what Adrian had done to her. And because ultimately he was like, we just have to believe her when she says that she's been abused, when she says that she's been manipulated and gaslighted, like we just have to believe that she's telling the truth. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The thought and the fact that they let him do it and they let him do what he wanted to do. Incredible because it makes them like it makes it that much more tense for us to consistently be like, okay, we know she's telling the truth, but also what is going on? And then I don't want to spoil it, but when she throws that paint on him, I was like, the whole theater exploded. I was like, the knife, (gasps) oh my gosh, the both, both (laughs) knives, what. I I am not the I do not I'm a quiet I'm a very silent movie watcher but dude, we're just gonna have to bleep all this. Out. I know. But when oh! by her head, I was like, oh my gosh, this movie is classic, instant, and they just hired Karen Kusama to do a new Dracula. Really? Which is encouraging because it somewhat seems like Universal is trying to backdoor the dark universe. I was going to ask you, is this the dark universe? But how? <laughs> through, we... through a low, but they're going <clears> to <throat> sort of do it on the like, oh, like we believe in our creators, Blumhouse, low budget, blah, blah. But they might, they might win it back. 
this makes me believe they'll win it back. They created an invisible man that, I mean, spoiler alert, is Why not start there? It is a league of superheroes. It is, shall we say, a league, league of, of extraordinary, extraordinary gentlemen. gentlemen. <laughs> So mad. Let's stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. All right. So that was Gold Stars, guys. And to anyone out there who is rebooting something, remaking something, please, 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 please watch these as examples of things to do, yeah. not things not to do. All right. You ready to talk about this movie? Yeah, let's do it. Guys, this is our reboot of Sahara. Got turned on to the books and the character and um, found out that the, the rights are still out there and that nobody uh, had really gotten Clive Cusser, the author's approval, as Dirk Pitt. So I went to him. Finally, he approved. After having funny conversations like, I think you'd be a great Dirk Pitt, but your hair's sandy blonde and Dirk's brunette. I was like, we can do something about that. And then he said, I think you'd be a great Dirk Pitt, but your eyes are blue and Dirk's are green. I said, I suppose we can do something about that, too. I guess we should start with some fun facts about this movie. Okay. It made $119 million with -hmm. a budget of $130 million. Um, Do we think that's true? Did the movie cost $130? See, the the thing about it is like the money spent on this movie is so shady. Yeah. We actually don't know how much this movie cost. Yeah. Um, The stories of like... So here's the thing. So I'll try and do a general breakdown of of the history of this movie okay very quickly do it but um in 1998 one of clive cussler's uh dirk pitt novels raise the titanic was made into a feature and it bombed mm-hmm. and since then he like swore off hollywood forever kind of in a like a george rr R. martin like you can never adapt my books like they're too hard to adapt kind of like you know creative control freak Years pass, and Hollywood comes knocking again, and they give him a golden goose deal, basically like, we're going to give you millions of dollars and complete creative control. And he's like, I can't turn this down. So Sahara goes into development hell for like three years, mm-hmm. and all different names are kind of tossed around. And finally, they, they get cameras rolling, and they start shooting, and they shoot in Morocco, to uh, substitute for the coast of Africa. And I guess that, like, to do this, they had to, like, pay everyone under the table. They're bribing, like, local government officials. Everything is, like, completely off book. And the budget just, like, balloons. Meanwhile, while all of this is happening, the producer of this movie, who's, like, some very strict Christian uh, millionaire, has... You know, his production company, which owns the rights, gets into a feud with Cussler. And before the movie's even released, Cussler <clears throat> basically bashes the shit out of this movie. Yeah. The movie tanks and it begins this like 10 year long lawsuit where all of this became public knowledge. So a lot of these numbers were actually like submitted to court because Cussler is saying like, well... They offered me creative control. I didn't get it. The studio is saying, we offered him creative control, but he became a detriment to the project, even bad-mouthing it, which went against our good faith agreement, yada, yada, yada. It's a nightmare. It's a whole nightmare. Yeah. This movie had 10 screenwriters. Yes. uh, Who were paid $3.8 million in fees and bonuses. 
Um, it had two directors. Rob Bowman originally was supposed to direct it, and he had to leave because Cussler apparently was such a pain in the ass to work with. Um, in 2007, the film's 151-page line-item budget entered as evidence in lawsuits and supposedly confidential was leaked to the L.A. Times. This rare look into the detailed finances of a film, especially a notoriously expensive bomb, showed the production benefiting from cheap Moroccan labor and European tax credits on one hand, but wasting money on a plane crash that was cut and paying Penelope Cruz's hairstylist and dialect coach over a quarter of a million dollars. Um, more seriously, though, it even included expenses for what were explicitly labeled as bribes to Moroccan officials, some of which may have been may have violated the Foreign Corrupt Policies Act. Um, <clears throat> it's important to note that Cussler actually passed away this year. Yeah, like two weeks ago. Like very, yeah, very S- recently. So I think, honestly, you know... Rest in peace, wherever you are, Clive. But honestly, that might be the best thing that could have happened to actually getting one of his movies made. Yeah. Because he wanted full control over what his character was going to become on screen, and it became a huge problem yes. for everyone involved. Yes. Sahara was directed by Breck Eisner, son of Michael Eisner, the man who ran Disney for basically 20 years, director of such movies as The Crazies and The Last Witch Hunter. If you're wondering, like, ah, I wonder, like, why didn't his career take off? Well, when you make a (laughs) blockbuster flop, sometimes you don't really come out of movie jail, even if you are the son of, like, one of the biggest Hollywood buckaroos there is. Yeah. Um, Don't worry. Breck Eisner's probably doing (laughs) a-okay. I mean, I went to see The Last Witch Hunter did? <laughs> in theaters. I think 100%. I've seen it on TV. Is that Does that have what's Rose, what's her name from yes, Game of Thrones? Yes, it's Vin yeah. Diesel and Rose Leslie. Yes. Um, the movie stars Matthew McConaughey as the lead role of Dirk Pitt, the coveted mm-hmm. Dirk Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> Penelope Cruz as uh, World Health Organization operative Ava Rojas, which I think is pretty, you know, what a time to play a a, a who a doctor yeah. in the age of I, coronavirus. I agree. <laughs> uh, the irreplaceable Steve Zahn as Al Giardino and William H Macy as Admiral Sandecker. Um, there are a couple other cameos in this in this film that we chose not to do. There's a couple villains. Uh, Rain Wilson's in this movie. Yeah. Um, is that the guy from the Matrix? The guy from the architect from the Matrix is in this. No, movie? he's the, um, the architect. The <sighs> He has a stupid French name. <laughs> he has a stupid French Like the concierge or something. Uh, <laughs> no. Yes. He's in the movie. And they're all good. I just like, I was just thinking that like for a franchise that we're trying to restart, do we need to focus so much on a specific villain? No. And that's the thing is that I feel like we picked a good set of characters because Dirk and Al are like A and B. They're together forever. Best friends. Yeah. So they're going to be in every movie of the series. I hate thinking that Ava wouldn't come with them, but considering female leads are kind of replaceable in movies like this, who knows? Maybe we'll fix that. But then Admiral Sandecker is, I guess, a big part of the books as well. Yeah. He's their, like, he's the guy, he's, he's the like money. H. Yeah. So he gets all the, he helps them go on all these he's crazy like Judy adventures. Judy Dench and James Bond. Yeah. He never learns. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I Wikipedia the character to just see like what the fuck is like book just closer to the book than Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out Dirk was married twice and neither of the times was he married to, to Ava Rojas, which is, hmm. which is kind of a shame. 
Well, you can't keep a man like Dirk Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be wild and oh, free. Oh, boy. And this is over. There's a place I know. It's called Monterey. Never heard of it. No? Oh, it's got a beautiful beach. Golden sands, aqua blue surf. The place is paradise. Sounds good. Oh, yeah. I also happen to know a woman who has a house there. And because she's a workaholic, she's never at home. Now, I haven't asked her, but I'm pretty sure that she wouldn't mind if you drop by. Can I bring a friend? You'd have to ask her. I already did. Yeah. You, me, and the Bay of Monterey. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right. I have a serious question about Dirk sure. and about Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Okay, which McConaughey do we think is peak McConaughey? Is it this McConaughey or like true detective McConaughey? That's a very good question because... Because uh, honestly, I think as much as I love True Detective on McConaughey, I think this might be peak McConaughey. I don't know because I, I did the same research of like, where is he in his career? Right? So this is 2005. Mm-hmm. I have it right here. So starting in 2000, starting in the new millennium, U571, how many people can say that they saw that? I think I saw that. I have definitely seen it. Uh, The Wedding Planner, relatively popular movie. Oh, we have to do The Wedding Planner. That's a great movie. Uh, 13 Conversations About One Thing, never saw it. Frailty, never saw it. Reign of Fire. Oh. Amazing. Rain, we're definitely doing we're definitely Reign of doing Fire. Rain of Fire. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I'll put that up with Made in Manhattan, or with The Wedding Planner. It's How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is a like generation-defining rom-com. But here's where it gets tricky. 2003, Tiptoes. Oh, God. That was 2003? 2004, Paparazzi. 2005, Sahara. 2005, Two for the Money. 2006, Failure to Launch. 2006, We Are Marshall. 2008, Fool's Gold. It's not until later 2008 where we get Tropic Thunder, where I kind of feel like he's back. He picks back up. I don't know if we can say this is peak McConaughey. Maybe in terms of talent and age range, yes. Mm -hmm. But the the choices after this movie, he takes a severe career hit because of this movie. Um, Let's look at True Detective. Just to answer your question. True Detective is in 2014. So starting in 2012. uh, The Paperboy, Mud, Magic Mike, Dallas Buyers Club wins an Oscar. The Wolf of Wall Street, True Detective, Interstellar, The Sea of Trees, Free State of Jones, Kubo and the Two Strings. I think think it's later. I think it's later McConaughey. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. I know. Dang, because this is good McConaughey. It's very good Except for the like weird turquoise puka shell he wears through this whole Why movie. Why is he wearing that? Who told? I don't know. Someone's like, don't wear this. <sighs> anyway. Um, Dirk Pitt. We talked about this a little before we we turned on. We actually started recording. <laughs> recording. Dirk Pitt is a, a Navy veteran. Sometimes Air Force veteran. Apparent in the books, apparently. But he is he is an expert deep diver and like recovery guy i think but then he, i think he also goes on to like work he w- for the white house well he work <laughs> i believe that <laughs> he works for numa which is uh I, I didn't write down what it stood for the national underwater and marine agency and it's so he's such a specific character it's really str- it's, it's really weird. weird it's very but weird. 
I believe him as the lead of like six movies. If Jack Reacher can get a sequel, Dirk Pitt should have got a sequel. But I digress. I really feel like there was only one choice, and it's the choice that is going to breathe life Ooh, into this series. I'm very excited. And life into all of us. And I think the answer is clear and direct. It's Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac Ooh. is Dirk Pitt. Happy beeps here, buddy. Come on. Happy beeps, buddy. <laughs> this, I was very close to Mr. Isaac. Uh-huh. It's funny, like, when you pick Oscar Isaac, I can't talk about Oscar fucking Isaac anymore because he's... <laughs> He's the one. I will say this, because I was thinking about him. He does need another franchise. He needs to be the lead. He needs to be the lead. Like, Poe Dameron, great, fine, but, like, we need him front and center Mm -hmm. running from, you know, spies, ninjas, whatever you want. Like, (laughs) Sure. How has he not been in a Mission Impossible? You know what I mean? Like, Because he can't... He's too big to be a side character in a Mission Impossible movie. I think... Here's the other thing. He's He's... I think he's crossed the threshold of 40. Like, we need to get this guy a franchise. Yeah, he's 41. But, like, I was shocked, honestly, when I'm shocked every time. I've looked up his age so much, but I'm shocked every time. So I was like, wow, this man is over 40. He can absolutely still lead. Yeah, like, he should have his own Mission Impossible. And, like, this is kind of what that is. Yeah. As as Matthew McConaughey said in his own words, Dirk is a renaissance man. <laughs> so I think Oscar Isaac fits that bill. That's a great pick. I'm now a little nervous about who I picked. Okay. I know you like the actor I picked. Okay. Um, here's my here's my thought process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult to find a lead for a new action franchise. Yes. A misstep could be a death knell for a franchise. See mm-hmm. Army Hammer and Henry Cavill. Pretty much anything they're in. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyone you pick can be a risk. But that said, okay, I think at times you have to take a shot with some properties. And this actor has been on the action star slash leading man JV squad for far too long. Oh. And I want to push him out front and center and see. I it, it's sink or swim for me right now. Like okay. I, I either need to launch Dirk Pitt or <laughs> I got to go be an accountant somewhere. Okay. Um. So I, I'm going to give him a shot at the wheel. I pick Sebastian Stan. I think this is an incredible choice. Thank how, you. How old is he? 37. Okay. I agree. I think he also, you're right, he is on the JV team, but he deserves a place on varsity because he's good. He's a good actor. One, we know he can do action. He's very attractive. He's charming. Why is this man not leading a movie? This is a question. I asked my friend this. Is Sebastian Stan a TV star or a movie star? And without hesitation, they said movie star. And they were like, what TV show was he in? I was like, Gossip Girl. And they were like, what? I can name like seven other movies that made a billion dollars that he was in. Yes. But then I was like, but he hasn't led any. He's not a movie star. And you know how I feel about that question. Right. He's not a movie star, but I see him more as he's not a TV actor. Right. But we did. We were introduced to him in... I don't, was this before or after Gossip Girl? Oh, it must have been before because Chase Crawford is also in this movie. Um, Chase Crawford is also in Gossip Girl. Yes, that's what I'm. That's what I mean. They're oh. both in the Covenant. Oh yeah, the teen male witch <laughs> horror movie that sustained literally a thousand sleepovers when I was in high school. But they it, must have the same agent. <laughs> Said, they're, they're always being deal. put. Poor Chase, isn't he on? 
what is he on? The Boys. The boys. Which is yeah. a great show. Yeah, he's doing fine. But I agree. I feel like he is someone who, even though I think he's in the lexicon enough because he's been in Marvel movies, for him to, it's almost... It's almost like, and I don't know enough, and I really don't, just prefacing this by saying I don't want to know enough, so don't get into it. But it's one of those things where I'm like, did they see him as Bucky? And they were like, we got to expand this character. We got to bring him in. We got to make it more. Or was there a chance of him just like falling to the wayside? Because it seems like he's the kind of actor that you're like, no, he needs more screen time. Let's keep him in the world. I think it's... Sort of like Marvel knew that Bucky's a very important character mm-hmm. for not just the Captain America franchise, but just like further on. And so they needed an actor that could, in case, yeah, take over. And I feel like he had like it's sort of when you're at a job far too long and there's just no room to move up. You got to go somewhere else like you have to go somewhere else to get that opportunity. That's how I feel with like Sebastian Stan and. Winter Soldier. Like, I like yeah. him as the Winter Soldier. I, I I can't wait to watch this new TV show. But man, let's get you a franchise, yeah. dog. Especially because I can't help but wonder if he feels a little trapped because it's at the point where it's like they're jerking the show along to the point where it's like, is this going to be is this going to be good or are they just trying to make it work? And if so, like, is he trying? He's so good in um, I, Tanya mm-hmm. and like departures like that where you just get to see him be an actor. He's like chained to Marvel. He needs his own series. Right. Well, here's the other thing. He's not the lead in that show. No. Anthony Mackie's the lead in that show. Yeah. <sighs> Come on. Which is not to say that Anthony Mackie also has not been playing on JV right. and definitely right. deserves to be, since we're referring to this in sports references, 100% that's true. Right. But that's also true for Sebastian Stan. Right. Let's move on to Al Giardino, played by Steve Zahn. Oh my God. I love Steve Zahn. Right. Because when you hear a name like Al Giardino... <laughs> You think Steve's on. <laughs> really, you can see that ironclad steaming up the river? I mean, really. Isn't it more likely that we missed it somewhere off the coast of Virginia? Huh? Right? I'll meet you at the boat. Ow. Nope. I got the check. Don't worry about it. No, I'm serious. I know, I get it all the time. Sit down, I'll get the check. Where is Steve Zahn? That's a great question. Why isn't Steve Zahn here right now? <laughs> like, why Why wasn't he in The Invisible Man? Why Why is he yeah. not in my life? Is he doing, like, a Rick Moranis <laughs> thing where he's like, well, I have kids now, so I don't want to act. Like, I retired. I made enough money off Saving Silverman and Sahara. And Did that. he make any money off the <laughs> Saving Silverman is a cult classic. Here's, um, here's the thing about Steve Zahn is that he... In movies like this, I think he is setting the tone. Like, for me, I look at him and I'm like, yeah, this movie should be much more towing the line of, like, adventure comedy and pushing further in that direction. And he is stealing stealing scenes. He is what they what the Mummy remake wanted Jake Johnson to be. I, yeah, he's what... Every remake featuring Jake Johnson <laughs> wants Jake Johnson to be. But he's so good. This is this is what's so frustrating is like we all love McConaughey and Penelope Cruz is a star in her yeah. own right. But like Steve Zahn, like 
more, please. Yeah, Hollywood. I it beg was you. it was a genius choice to be like, we need somebody a little a little like funnier, but still capable. Like he at one point does he like gra- he like does a uh, he swings on a camel's neck to like kick some guy, and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. I took note of it because I was like, somebody re- was really proud of that choreography. And also, you buy it. It's not like he's like the bumbling sidekick. Right. He's like, just as capable as yes. Dirk. He's just like, he's like 10% less cool. Yeah. 5% less physically capable. But they're like, they're like lockstep pretty much the whole yeah. way. And that's what makes them a cool team is that it's like they're buddies from service and so they have the same skills but they bring a different mindset right. to what they're doing and um i know that this character is weirdly stereotypically italian like his description of how italian this character is is like really weird and so i really enjoyed the movie just being like ah, screw it we're gonna get steve's on in here <laughs> Um, they could have just changed the name, I know. the last name. It just, it's sort of, I really liked how, when we were just talking about how, like, Al is on pretty much the same level as Dirk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I picked this actor, I, I'll just say who it is. I'm going to murder this pronunciation of this actor's okay. name. Uh, Utkar Shambutkar. No, that can't be right. <laughs> Wait. Do I know this actor? He did the freestyle rap at the Oscars. Oh, yes. He the Pitch is Perfect in Pitch guy. Perfect, Britney Runs a Marathon. He's going to be yes. in Mulan. He's going to be in some other movie very soon. Utkarsh Mbutkar. Yes, that sounds correct. I wanted to cast this actor because, A, we don't see a lot of Asians in action movies, mm-hmm. except for Han in Fast and the Furious. Yes. Um, and, B, Al, I think it's because he's as capable as Al, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, we... We could put in some diversity at this position to sort of show like this is I didn't want it to be like Green Hornet and Kato. Yeah. Where like Green Hornet is like this bumbling idiot and Kato is this awesome Bruce Lee Kung Fu master. Right. And then somehow some, yeah. the white guy gets all the glory. They're lockstep. Yeah. Um, and he's a comedian. So you're going to like tonally. I love that's what I love about this movie is they're like these two main idiots don't really seem to take the danger very seriously mm-hmm. or are so accustomed to the danger that yeah. it's sort of like second nature to them. And for that kind of tone, it's good to have, yeah. you know, rapport between the two. I feel like now's the perfect time to talk about the mummy. Um, <laughs> the new mummy no, or no, the no, old no. mummy. The, the only mummy. Um, because... I have said this before. I will say it forever until the end of my days. It is the perfect action adventure movie. And I think what you're describing is that thing of like, your actors have to be capable of doing things that appear realistic to their circumstances, but also can be entirely silly at the same time. The Mummy is great at that because Brendan Fraser absolutely is like your action hero superstar but like he's and even he's surrounded by like the americans in the movie and they're all like gunslingers but everybody's also kind of a caricature of themselves and so nothing is taken so so seriously where you're like "Uh uh-oh and i think that's one of the ways in which this script kind of failed them is that there is a point where i think things are taken a little too seriously and we are like "Uh uh-oh And we all of a sudden don't want to see them kind of like bumbling through certain things. 
But I think if you create a story that allows them to have fun and to make it like an adventure movie and not so much like Dirk Pitt is like the darkest version of whoever he is. I think you're on the right track. Yeah? Yeah. What'd you do if you were about to be exposed as the worst polluter of modern times? I don't know. Run for president? Hide the evidence, right? Yeah, right. I'm not sure I fully love this guy just like as an actor entirely. Yep. But I like where your head is at. Thank you. Yeah, I saw Britney Runs a Marathon, and I couldn't tell if it was his performance or the character he was portraying, but mm -hmm. I was like, this guy this guy stinks. And my friends, like all yeah. my female friends were like, no, he's great. We love him. I'm like, really? He's a, he's kind of an asshole in this. Yeah, but we, you 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 like you like him okay. in it. Okay. I don't. I can't explain it. Ugh. Brittany Runs a Marathon is actually a really good movie. Right. Um, okay, so for my Al, this character is just gonna have to have a totally different name. Um, I picked an actor, which it's interesting that we talked about the Invisible Man because he's in the Invisible Man, and I thought he was great and very actiony but also very charming and I think could be kind of like funny. I picked Aldous Hodge. Dude, that guy is so good. He's great. And I loved the idea because here's the thing we know about Oscar Isaac. I'll start there. Here's the thing we know about Oscar Isaac. He did Star Wars. Inherently, the man can do something that is conceivably very dumb, but make it a lot of fun. Excuse me. <laughs> Let me say my piece. <laughs> Because he, he's a serious actor, but when he's Poe, we're having a lot of fun watching mm -hmm. him do silly space things. Yes, I think if you I think if you paired these two, even though they look like they would be like a bone crushing supreme team, it was very intense. I think <laughs> bone crushing supreme team. I think, I think they would. I would have a lot of fun also watching them. Um, as capable as we can see that they are, I think we would have a lot of fun watching them be the sort of like, you know, like Dirk's sidekick is always cracking jokes and he's always losing his hat and which I guess is a thing from the book. Yeah. <laughs> and Dirk can never seem to like do or he's always falling off a boat, you know, like. It's stuff like that where you're like, yeah, these guys are like movie stars, but when you sort of watch them, not like like they're dumb, dumb idiots bumbling around, but just like the circumstance is always throwing them sideways. Like, I think that's fun. Yeah. And I would love to watch them do this. Two things about Aldous Hodge. First, okay. I love him because he was in the first season of Friday Night Lights, the TV show, okay. and seems to have been like one of the only people who didn't get any shine and is now getting mm. a lot of shine. Yeah. Uh, the second Take thing that, is, Taylor Kitsch. <laughs> the second thing is, um, when you put them, in, in my mind, when you put them next to each other, it really feels like this pair is more like a lethal weapon. Mel Gibson is the funny guy who's always like mm. running into danger, and Aldous Hodge is like the straight man, Donald uh, Danny Glover, just too old for this shit. I would like to see him, because I haven't yet, do those like funny, funny in quotes, like bits of Al's always losing his hat. Like, I don't get why that was so important. They really made, <laughs> they really tried to underline this thing from the book that Al's always losing a hat. And I was like, this is so unnecessary. That's 100% a Clive Cussler note, because you know, right. he's like, well, we got to keep Al's trademark in. It drives me nuts. No. Um, but so that's what I would be interested to see. Like, 
how they would mesh comedically because I yeah. think that he is an amazing actor, but mm-hmm. he's always it always seems like he's like Invisible Man for an, for instance. I I worry that he would want to run through the straight man kind of lane. Yeah, and you would have you. I want to have someone ask him like, just be funny, like do. Have shit's fun. exploding yeah. around you like just have fun like it's crazy this whole thing's crazy have come from that perspective so that would be interesting to see I like that choice the, I think they'd be a dynamic duo like Batman and Robin one could say <laughs> um, that was a different episode Kevin. Uh, alright let's move on to Ava Rojas played by Penelope Cruz uh, it's your turn but I just want to say I okay. love Penelope Cruz in this movie she, she's great. She's good. And what's the I think the weird thing about how this movie is constructed is that it's constructed like a book and that we meet Ava and she's on a and we've already met Dirk. And so we're on this totally different track of like, wait, why are we following this World Health Organization doctor right after the Civil like, War? <laughs> yeah, who's like discovering this like dangerous illness it feels a little like, where are we? What are we doing? What's happening? And then she like, because you know you're expecting to see Matthew McConaughey, they like run into each other. He ends up like saving her life or whatever. But I think the one, the biggest detriment, and I hate this because I think it is a uh, a trope of movies like this where she's really good. She's also the most like straightforward character. She's very passionate. She's very focused. She does not get to have fun. So you do business in Mali. Mm. Do you know anyone there who could help us by pressuring the WHO to send a team? Well, you see, much of Mali is controlled by a warlord. General Kasim. And I have to warn you, it is very dangerous for foreigners right now. I would say it's probably more dangerous for locals. Uh, Yes, but your death would look very bad in the papers. So that's the word plague. Like, that's just not what her character's there for. It's very boys club. Yes. Like, it's like the men get to have fun. She's there to look pretty and to serve the story. And I think it would be fun to introduce a character who is more like part of the team. Because why not? Like, why don't they pick up a doctor at like some Rachel point? Like Rachel Weisz in The Mummy? Guys, don't, don't make me do it. She is, she is the, she provides such a crucial part of the puzzle because all these, Kinda, don't get distracted. Because all these, don't get distracted. idiots are walking around and they can't even read Egyptian. We're, we're talking about Sahara. Okay. We're talking about Sahara here. What I'm saying is she could be part of the team. Yes. And not just her own story. Yes. Um, not just the person who needs to be saved. And so in that, I wanted to cast someone who I thought would be the, third puzzle piece to someone who could be also focused, uh, smart, determined, but can also play along with them. Like she's not the one who's just like, you guys need to shape up. Like she actually has something to give in the give and take. So I picked Mila Kunis. Ooh. Wow. That, okay. I don't hate it. I'm just, I never thought in a million years that you would say those two words in front uh, in, for this podcast. But it makes sense. Like, she uh, she checks all the boxes for, like, action adventure. I'm going to be mean. Do you believe her as a doctor? Yes. I think at a different point in her career, I would have been like, uh, no way. Not her game. I think now, yes. What was the last movie she was in? The Spy That Dumped Me? Yeah. Which honestly, I like that movie. I liked. I don't remember anything from it, but I liked. <laughs> but it. I remember laughing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, all right. If you tell me she can play a doctor, it's just weird. Some actors I just don't know could they play a doctor. I think we could buy it because I think we buy her being a sort of sardonic, like, she's clearly very smart, but she's not she's not just like taking any of the shit from the guys. Like, and I think that's what she brings to it is that like people would look at her and be like, oh, you're a doctor. That's cute. And she'd be like, yeah, I'm a doctor. She's very strong. And I'm going to kick you. Pow. (laughs) That's that has to be in the movie. Um, I picked Ana de Armas. That's a great choice. Ana de Armas, so hot right now. She is, Anna. she is, vi- and here's the thing. Honestly, the real victim of the coronavirus, No Time to Die, the next James Bond movie, uh-huh. uh, R.I.P. Mulan is really November. the next victim of the coronavirus. People are going to show up for Mulan. I don't feel like we're going to see a huge. Is China going to show up for Mulan? No, because. Well, they're in a, they're in a different place. Yeah, but Disney's really needing that's, more that's so than James true. Bond. That's very true. But. In in my heart and in my mind, the real victim of coronavirus okay. is, is Billie no, Eilish and is no her song. No time to die. Yeah, <sighs> don't get me started. Um, love Billie. Why do we have sad Bond songs for like the past seven years? Um, she yeah is very. We've seen her in the trailer. We get the hint. I I can't wait to see what she actually does in the movie because we get the hint that she is not just like your. Which it doesn't seem like any of the women in this new Bond movie are your average Bond girl. Like everybody is kicking ass, but she feels very specific to like how they're keeping her a little mysterious. Yeah. Like she's clearly her own kind of operative, and I'm like, yeah, I buy that. Here's the thing: um, Ana de Armas has really shown her chops, her acting chops, and Knives Out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she has had to pay a lot of dues as just like. Um, Hot girl arm candy. Like, yeah. she's gone a long way from fucking Knock Knock, which is one of That's the worst true. movies ever made, to Blade Runner, which I know you didn't like, but I think she's really good in that movie. She has, mm-hmm. a, like, a really nice softness to her. To Knives Out, where she plays, like, this really awesome sort of, like, character caught up in this murder mystery and is, like, trying to do the right thing. And, you know, I I just really like her in this role because I I... I believe she could be a doctor. Here's the other thing about Ana de Armas, which we're not going to talk too long about because um, it's just going to upset you. But why is she dating Ben Affleck? Um, What is happening? Here's the thing. I really want to believe in Ben Affleck. I do, too. I also want to see The Way Back. So maybe, maybe you don't? I don't think I want to see it in the traditional sense. <laughs> Of. What, you want to be on like mushrooms and <laughs> no. upside down on an airplane while you watch it? Meaning I I will probably only ever watch it if one day I have cable and it's on cable. But I love Troubled Coach Teaches Young Sports movie. It's a great, like, yeah. Coach Carter, We Are Marshall, like I'll watch any of that shit. Let's move on to Admiral Sandecker, played by the William H. Macy. Mm-hmm. Who gives... I won't say an incredible performance, but, like, the performance that this movie needs and wants that, like, William H. Macy can deliver it 10 times out of 10. 100 times out of 100. I did not like... You didn't like him? I did him? not like him in this movie. You didn't like him? I think it's because he gave the performance that, like, William H. Macy kind of always gives... And I was like, okay, this is a very specific kind of energy. He's Uh the, he's the, okay, you got 72 hours. Like, here's my boat kind of guy who then is like, what, what happened to my boat? Like, 
it's a very specific, necessary kind of character to play off of someone like but, Dirk. Where the hell are you? Well, that's a damn good question. Listen, I've got some bad news. Well? I've got something for you. Rudy's got chemistry here. It says if that leak's not shut down ASAP, it's going to reach the ocean. And when it does, that'll be ground zero for the Atlantic's version of Chernobyl. Something weird happens where he, like, calls in favors from the CIA and, like, yeah. teams up with a CIA agent for, like, ten minutes in this movie. And you're like, what is going on? And then he as he sends his friend to assassinate the, spoiler alert, yeah. to assassinate, basically poison the bad guy. Yes. Which I thought was badass, but yeah. also weird. Especially because you don't, especially because you don't see it coming, and it, I think you're also supposed to assume that this is like a CIA operation, and so you're like, okay, uh, William H Macy just decided that this man's got a well. He was poisoning everybody. Knew they have the evidence. Right. There's all that, but it is very like it just happens, and we don't even see him die. We just know like he has been, he's been infected, right, with the, I with the. The, with the, the bad poison. water, yeah. which hopefully no other uh, restaurant employee had to touch, mm. or or was it just an undetectable poison? Because it makes it doesn't make sense to release a virus, yeah, into the populace again. Just poison them with poison, yeah, like, with regular ricin. poison. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I there was something about him that I was like, I feel like this person could be a little more, a little less like. Because he, he's always on a satellite phone talking to Dirk or Al and being like, what's happening? And they're like fighting bad guys. And he's like, I can't hear you. Like, I almost wanted him to be more like curmudgeonly. Like he clearly Ooh. loves he clearly loves Dirk or he wouldn't be on his team. And he he clearly trusts him or he wouldn't hold him so close after all they've been through. But I almost wanted him to be a little more of a. A little bit of an angrier guy instead of oh. like, instead of just like someone who's like the exasperated boss. Yeah. But then you come, th then he comes through because that's a great turn to have of like, who knows what he's going to do. And then it turns out that he always has his back and he always has the best interests of, of everyone at, at heart. Right. But we just see him as the like, who knows if the Admiral's going to do it this time. Like we come to trust him as the guy who will. Whose turn is it? My turn? I Yes. Well, I don't know if I did exactly that. Oh, okay. But I get what you're saying. And may, hopefully my, because I didn't mind William H. Macy, but hopefully my actor, I was going to say character actor, mm -hmm. could maybe play that same same kind of tone that you're talking about if, if, if that's how it should be. Okay. I do think that like, it would be cool because like, Sandecker is like the captain, or he's an admiral. He's like... In charge of an entire crew of people. Is he really an admiral or do they just call him admiral? I think he reached the rank of admiral and then do left. Do they call him Al? They call him Al, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, that's weird. You're an admiral in the Navy and then you just leave? Like, Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Anyways. We should read the book. <laughs> the seven, I'm sure the 40 it's in books. there. Um, but here, I, I just sort of like, wouldn't it be cool to like have an action movie where like a guy like Sandecker who's in the command of this like crew of people was also somehow involved mm -hmm. in this like as soon as his boat exploded and maybe this is what happened and I just wasn't paying attention because the movie is so McConaughey focused which mm -hmm. is fine it seemed like 
William H. Macy just like was like, oh, well, what am I going to do? And then like half an hour later, called his CIA buddy. Like, I feel like the real thing would be someone to be like, my boat just fucking exploded. Turn this boat around. I'm canceling everyone's Australia trip. And everyone's like, fuck, it's fucking Dirk again. And now they all have to be put out to go find these assholes. Yeah. And then they all kind of get sort of caught. And I'm not saying that we need a thousand characters, but it's mm-hmm. like that seems a little more real to me. Anyways. I picked uh, Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad and The Mandalorian. That's a great choice. Uh, thank you. I I thought he bring he brought more of like a worldly presence, like someone who could probably have like a, rose in the ranks of like the United States Navy, but sort of as someone of the world. So like going to like deep sea dive for ancient empirical coffins isn't so out of the reach. Like William H Macy, yeah. I'm like. What the fuck do you know about deep sea diving off the coast of like the Indian Ocean? It just it's very weird to see William H. Macy in, in that particular role. Yeah. Anyways, that's who I picked. I think that's a great choice. Thank you. I think he can do I think he can do any iteration. Thank you. Of of the character. Whether it be someone who's a little more like s- silly sly admiral or like I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, For my Admiral Sandecker, you've already heard my thoughts about it. I thought there was only one choice. And sure, this is colored by the fact that all I could think about was this movie. Brendan Fraser. Whoa. I like the pick. I I think Brendan Fraser in light of, I mean, we went on a deep dive that hopefully got cut out of this podcast. Well, we went on a deep dive about Ben Affleck's whole tragic past. <laughs> and I feel like with in light of Brendan Fraser's tragic past in Hollywood, I feel like, yes, we need to get him. We need to get him back on the mo- the action mm-hmm. saddle. Is he of the age yet? I mean, how old is he? 50 years old? He's 51. He was in a movie with Ben Affleck. School ties. Oh, back in the day. Back in the day. Um, I I just I see him now as this kind of actor, someone who is like he's not he's not Rick O'Connell anymore. He could be if you wanted him universal. I was going to say this might be be. the problem if he showed up on the boat. You're going to want him to leap off the boat and go chasing after these guys. But but isn't that what you just said you wanted? I don't think his body would. I don't think his body's capable of making those sort of stunt moves anymore. No, but like as the like you want in a way you sort of want Sandecker to be the kind of person who shows up every once in a while and throws a mean punch uh-huh. and like ends the fight right there. Yeah. And that's it. All right. Like he doesn't ha- he doesn't have to do all he doesn't have to be swinging from a camel's neck. We're not all Steve's on, you know what I'm saying? But I think he would be great. Oscar Isaac. Aldous Hodge, mm-hmm. Mila Kunis, Brendan Fraser. Blockbuster movie. <laughs> That's a cast. That's certainly a cast. I would I would go see that. You don't even you don't even have to tell me that this movie is anything. If someone was like, I'm making a movie starring Oscar Isaac, Aldous <clears throat> Hodge, Mila Kunis, and Brendan Fraser, I'm th- I'm buying a ticket right. on that alone. Yeah. All right. Let's end on Brandon Fraser being the admiral <laughs> of the brand new Dirk Pitt franchise yes. of 2020. Now, let's get to our favorite cast member. Where does Barry Pepper go? I am realizing I did not cast Barry Pepper. That's fine. I'll vamp. Um, before I tell you who I picked, I recently saw Crawl, 
crawl is phenomenal. Wait. Oh, yes. Wait, I thought you were. I hadn't seen crawl yet. Oh, interesting. No. Maybe I just talked about it so much that I felt like you had seen it. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Here's the problem with Barry Pepper. I mean, he should be Sandecker. Um, yeah. But he can't because I picked someone else. Okay. <laughs> so I made him Captain Toombs. I made him the Confederate captain of the U.S. Texas. Yeah. I think that's a great, I think that's a great choice uh, because. Because the whole movie takes place in Africa and it's just <laughs> strange if Barry Pepper shows up and is an African. I mean, he could be. Could he be South African? I'm showing my cards in that I f- forgot to cast Barry Pepper, <laughs> and now and now I'm just an and now IGD. I'm just like thinking about it because he could be Delroy Lindo's character. He could be the operative, the CIA who operative. They yeah, call. You're right. He could do that, but I think, I think that's an accurate way to. He could. He's absolutely could be the the Confederate soldier at the beginning of yeah. this. What a weird what freaking weird movie, movie this is. My only note is. What is the plot of this movie? Here's the thing. This is like a sequel to the first Dirk Pitt movie yeah. that we never saw. There needs to be there needs to be an origin story. There needs to be an introduction to who these characters are. Instead, we get this movie's called Sahara. Boom. It is 1865. Like yeah. that is what we get. And so I agree. I don't know what this movie is about. So whatever this is, is not the first movie in this series. So here's the one problem with the story that I had that needs to be fixed. So the World Health Organization is chasing a virus that's spreading across the coast of Africa. Yes. And with the help of Dirk and Al, mm-hmm. Eva, Eva finds out that it is not... Uh, a virus, it's a poison. People are being yes. poisoned and the poison is in the water source. At this point, we know that Dirk and Al are searching for this weird metal confederate ship. Yes. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, the ship has somehow ended up in an underground river. We're going to get into this like awesome kind of Goonies cavern with a ship and treasure. And the two stories are going to dovetail. But instead, what happens is the Matrix guy, the weird French guy, mm-hmm. is building a solar plant. But the solar plant needs nuclear energy somehow. And they're burying like nuclear waste in the ground. And it's contaminating the water source. And that's like killing everyone in Africa. And it's just so happens by chance that the ship is somewhere out in the desert where the final battle happens. And it's like... That's not it is con- satisfying. It's convenient in a truly baffling way. Right. Because you're right. There is something to the idea of like Dirk and Al are looking for one thing. Ava is chasing another thing. And they end up in a way like bringing her in the, into the fold because all the bad guys are chasing her because she is bringing light to the fact that they're poisoning the population. And there is a way to like make that work the way they do it in which they find the ironclad in the middle of the desert and end up using the cannon from the ship to like shoot down a helicopter no dirk oh yeah no it'll never work why not it's 150 years old now it's hardly ever been used it'll probably blow us to bits at least we'll die fighting yeah that's comforting oh my gosh do you know what we didn't even talk about how they refigure a plane (laughs) to essentially sail it oh my god the sand surfer and like Steve Zahn is like, I don't think it's gonna fly, bud. And then like, and then 
this Leonard weird music Skinner just video comes on or whatever. I forget what's I, – I think it's Sweet Home Alabama, right? Or, or was that a different part? But, like, Foghat, yeah, it the is. record drops, and it's like <laughs> McConaughey just, like, fucking woo! Just fucking so riding. insane. We didn't even talk about Lenny James's hair. No. There is so much. Watch this movie. Because here's the thing. I fully understand why this did not launch a franchise. But should it have? A hundred percent. So I guess that answers the question I'm going to ask. Would you remake this movie? Yeah, I would remake it and I would make it better. I would remake it. I would also make a sequel to this movie with the original cast. It'd just be like, guys, take two. Let's try this again. It could, it could, have, a, it could have a T2 quality where like... People remember the second one just way better. Way better. Post. And it becomes iconic in and of itself. Yeah. Sahara 2. <laughs> the Dirk Pitt saga. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh boy. Anything else? I think this goes at the top of our list of projects we'll actually do right after the the mannequin reboot. Yeah. This is this has to be one. This that goes it's like, up to the top. All right. You hear that, Hollywood? We got dibs on this. All right. <laughs> We are calling that's dibs how, on shit. That's now. how Hollywood works, right? right? You just call dibs. Honestly, let's no money let's call is exchanged. Custer's, Custler's son and be like, "Hey, hey, Dirk, Dirk, you're right. <laughs> the son is named Dirk. Listen, Dirk, Jerky baby. We're not like the others. We're not like the others. We're gonna do this right. Listen, We're not like the others in that we have no credit. We have no money. <laughs> no one listens to us." All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Rebooted. If you like this episode, please check our past episodes. Please stay with us. Next week, we have a great movie for you in store. Please tell your family and friends, Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and a review. Both are important and we'll love you forever. You can also find us now on Kofi, where you can go to make a very small donation to help us keep making this fine podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can find us on social media at Rebooted Pod on Twitter and Instagram. The synergy is incredible. And you can find us individually in case you just want to follow us because you hate this podcast. Why are you even listening? At Flynn B and at Kinnitrant. <laughs> Kenna's just bad-mouthing me as a, as a partner between episodes. She's just like, Ryan's no good. It sucks. The episode sucks. That's why no one listens. Wow. It's you my... The, you it's pulled my, a full Cussler <laughs> on me, whatever his name is. I'm tanking the, the quality of this podcast, <laughs> as you heard at the very beginning of it. I'm going to take you to court. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Why are we litigating? Because that's what they did. <laughs> Wrap it around your nugget.
Well, how come yours stays on? Maybe you got a small head. I don't think so. Somebody would have told me. 